Hey there, Desi crime fans. I'm your host Aryan, and I'm Ishwarya. And welcome back to another episode of the Desi Crime Podcast. This podcast is run by two twenty-year-olds and supported by an amazing team at Lost Debate. When you contribute to our Patreon or share us with your friends, you too become a part of our team. So, if you have the means, please contribute to our Patreon. And if you don't, please share our episodes and posts on your social media. Be a loyal Desi Crew member. Go to Patreon.com/slash/DesiCrime. We would like to thank our latest patrons Alicia Dhruvruparel, Parth B, Mangla Ramamurthy, Kamakshi Venugopal, Lucifer Morningstar. Thank you for showing your love and you all are in for a big treat as we are working on remodeling the Patreon. Your contributions help sustain the show. Even though this is the second half, a lot has gone down just in part 1 of this series itself. Mithu was falsely imprisoned on the basis of a fraudulent and forged testimony of Jassi provided by her uncle Surjit Badesha. Jassi herself in fact was imprisoned not by the police but by her own family. She was under a house arrest of sorts in the basement of her Maple Ridge mansion. But she escaped not just from the town of Maple Ridge but all the way to Punjab, India. Against All odds she helped free her husband Mithu and this love story provided all of us with a glimmer of hope a ray of sunshine a silver lining hell pick any cliched optimistic metaphor and it applies we all thought this was going to be and they lived happily ever after the end kind of story if only it wasn't for that ill-fated evening the evening of June 8th 2000 if only it wasn't for those four men if only this is the second part to the story of mithu and jassi Until now, what do you think of Mithu and Jasyeshwara? I know I ended the previous episode on a cliffhanger and didn't give you a chance to comment on their love story, but doesn't it appear almost fictional? Don't they seem like characters of a John Grisham novel or an '80s Bollywood movie? Aran, if this story was limited to the borders of maybe a locality, it would still be believable. It would be digestible. But the sheer geographic extent of this—forget the love for a second. Just the fact that Jassi flies all the way from Canada for a kabaddi player—you're right. It all sounds made up. It sounds right out of an old romance novel. But what I really want to know is how long did the two hang out together for before they fell this deeply in love? that depends on how you define hang out so they were in okay. a relationship a long distance relationship for about 5 years um they'd met in 1995 and their romance began ever since but their actual time spent physically together didn't even amount to an entire year they were together physically for continuous wow. periods for maybe 
टू और थ्री मंथ्स एट द मोस्ट इट्स एग्जैक्टली स्टफ लाइक दैट दैट मेक्स द स्टोरी इवन मोर अनबिलीवेबल एंड फील लाइक इट्स आउट ऑफ मिल्स एंड बूंस नॉवल बट दैट्स इनक्रेडिबल दैट देयर लव इज इज अनबिलीवेबल बट वॉट हैपन दैट नाइट गोइंग बैक टू आर प्रीवियस एपिसोड वॉट हैपन वॉट हैपन टू जस्सी वॉट हैपन टू मिट्ठू बेसिकली वॉट्स हैपनिंग वेर आर वी before i dive into that and i assure you i will we have a new show under the lost debate umbrella i'd like you guys to check out it's called stitch this stitch this is a podcast hosted by cory bradford who's a tiktok star making satirical videos about politics and history and in his new show he interviews other famous tiktokers to show you the good side of tiktok This platform isn't just silly dances and memes. So check out his educational and hilarious conversations on our new show Stitch This available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now getting back to the story at hand. Four men emerge from nowhere. Jassy and Mitu have but a scooter and a few party supplies to defend themselves on the night of June 8th, 2000. whereas the men that emerge from the dark are armed with traditional six swords called kripans and sharpened hockey sticks jassy is hit and she falls off the scooter meanwhile the assailants thrash mitu he has multiple stab wounds his head is split open mitu is seemingly done all while his wife is shouting his name in the background mitu mitu her cries go unanswered he is kicked punched stabbed as one of his friend later recalls after seeing mitu's body his skull was all open his fingers looked chopped off once the men are done with mitu they lock eyes with jassy and advance towards her they force her into their car and drive off they're no longer heading in the direction of mitu's grandparents place in fact they head back near the city of ludhiana They take Jussie to a secluded farmhouse literally in the middle of nowhere on a barren piece of land to the semi-constructed building with a thatched roof and cracked bricks. Given the circumstances that farmhouse seemed almost appropriate for what was about to happen. Once they reach the farmhouse the real torture begins. Jussie is tied to a chair. The assailants begin drinking alcohol and getting high on drugs. I suppose drugs and alcohol are an attempt by them at escaping the undignified reality they perpetrated. Jussie is then sexually assaulted. She shouts for help. She shouts out of pain. She shouts as loud as she can, but yet again her cries go unheard. She after all is in the middle of nowhere. The macho man she married lies mutilated on some random street in Punjab while she is tied to a chair in some random farmhouse. This is not the love story we talk about. This is not the love story Jassy ever wanted. She never wanted a house or property or money. She wanted Mithu. But it just wasn't to be, not in this lifetime at least. All this while Jussie's kidnappers had been on call with someone someone who wasn't physically present but their presence was palpable on the other side of the phone was Malkit Kaur Sidhu Jussie's mom wait hold on so i know it's not unheard of for parents to get their children killed in situations like these but did she know that her own daughter was being raped and tied to a chair and sexually assaulted that It's so sad to say this but that I cannot wrap my head around. 
what follows is even more unbelievable now if this was a normal situation although there is nothing normal about this situation but if it was a quote unquote normal situation for argument's sake we would expect malkit to be begging the attackers to release her daughter right that's what a mom does when she appeals to kidnappers please release my child any normal mother would any normal mother would offer all the money in the world to those gangsters take all the money just leave my daughter we hear this dialogue all the time in movies this wasn't a movie malkit wasn't there to beg the attackers she was there to negotiate with jassi she tells jassi that look your husband is already dead and there is nothing you can do about it so just come back to canada now she reiterates how it's over for jassi Remember this is the same woman who just a few hours ago gave her blessings to Mittu and Jassi this is the same woman who just hours back dialed all the way from Canada to Punjab to tell the couple it was okay for them to be together and come back to Maple Ridge but just in a matter of hours the woman who gave her blessings now held Jassi's life in her hands quite literally Jassi refused to budge I am sure she was unable to process her life in that moment. Eventually, the tone of the call changed. The negotiations were over. Malkit realized that Jassi was not easy to contain. If Jassi had the audacity to call the cops when she was locked in the house, she sure as hell had the audacity to report her mom to the police. Surjit was also on the call, and he told one of the men who was holding the phone, "Quote You kill the girl, we'll pay you more. Unquote. You kill the girl, we'll pay you more. Surjit had de facto issued a hit on his own niece. But the kidnappers replied that the girl is pleading innocent and she wants to talk to you. Surjit says fine, let her talk to her mother. So they hand the phone to Jassi. Jassi gets the phone and her conversation with her mother lasts about a minute. on the call she pleads quote please leave me please have mercy on me i won't do anything jassi begged her own mother for her own life mama leave me i won't do this i'll come back i'll do whatever you say unquote keep in mind that this is a woman who is tied to a chair her husband is dead four men loom over her with knives and weapons what real option does she have other than begging for mercy And is that even a real option? The mother's response to Jassi's cries was simple and straightforward. It was a command. Quote, "Kill her, don't leave her." Unquote. Tempted by the monetary reward, the kidnappers accepted their orders. Anil Kumar, one of her attackers, approached Jassi with a knife. On the night of June 8th, 2000, Anil Kumar slit Jassi's throat. They killed Jassi. The night had passed and it was early in the morning of June 9th. Early that day, a villager walked past an irrigation ditch when he noticed something. Lying in that irrigation ditch was a discombobulated corpse. Naturally, the villager approached that thing to inspect it, and upon closer inspection, he realized it was the woman whose throat was slit open. It was Jassi. 
the authorities were called and the news spread like wildfire. Canadian woman killed in Punjab read the headlines. But this wildfire didn't really catch on at the same pace in Canada as it did in India. The Canadian authorities refused to investigate the murder of a Canadian national. They are on record saying that a murder in India wasn't their responsibility. Firstly, if a citizen of your country dies, you should be diplomatically involved no matter what. However, there was legal precedent to open an investigation in Canada. Section 465 of the Criminal Code of Canada states that if a conspiracy to pit murder takes place in Canada, even if the murder took place outside Canada, the police must act. Even though the RCMP, also called the Royal Canadian Police as they like to call themselves, didn't do anything initially, the Indian police swiftly acted, and so did the Canadian media. When Deb DeVos, Jussie's beauty instructor, woke up one morning in June, she was expecting her generic Canadian news, perhaps maple syrup or Canadian bacon or something, but instead, <laughs> the front page of her local newspaper featured a large portrait shot of Jussie. The headline read, British Columbia Brides Murder and Secret Marriage. Deb DeVos was shaken. That was her, she thought, the student on the front page looking gorgeous as ever, but no longer alive, was her student. That was Jussie. And Deb, like so many others, knew who did it. Her suspicions immediately went to her family, Surjeet Padesha and Malkeet Kaur Sidhu. And she wasn't alone in suspecting this. Many of Jussie's friends by this point were well aware of her mistreatment by her family. This is one of those cases where I both tip my hat to the Indian police, or to be more specific, the Punjab police, and at the same time I feel like swearing my ass off at the Indian police for being ridiculously corrupt. When Jussie's body was discovered, the case was initially spearheaded by Inspector Joginder Singh. And for some reason, Inspector Joginder was hell-bent on being in charge of this case. He was going out of his way to collect evidence and prove that the murder took place in his district. Perhaps he was a compassionate cop, determined to bring justice to Jussie. But a cop going out of his way to take on more responsibility doesn't sound right to me. Anyway, the killers dumped Jussie's body just outside Inspector Joginder's jurisdiction. The case therefore appeared on the oakwood desk of Inspector Swaran Singh. So, Aryan, I get all of this. And as much as it may suck, apart from Jussie's mistreatment at the hands of her family... What real evidence do we have against them? And how do we know that the killers were in communication with her mom? The only two witnesses, Jassi and Mittu, are clearly both dead. Lo and behold, enters Inspector Swaran Singh. And he treated this case, in his own words, as if Jassi was one of his daughters. And in doing so, he uncovered an unbelievable amount of evidence. Firstly... Inspector Joginder Singh wasn't driven by compassion, as you might have guessed, but rather desperation. Inspector Joginder Singh, a cop, an inspector, was the leader of the gangsters that murdered Jussie. 
he deliberately had planned What? the kidnapping and murder to occur in his district so that he could intentionally botch up the investigation to his dismay his compatriot gangsters had dumped the body just outside joginder's district what that's insane i know so they did it wrong they did it barely wrong swaran wow. singh's district was where the body was technically dumped and swaran singh made a dozen arrests including inspector joginder singh Anil Kumar remember the man who slit Jassi's throat and a close friend of Surjit Badesha was also involved whose name was Darshan Singh all these three men were arrested almost immediately but your question is valid how does this all tie back to Jassi's family after all they were in Canada when the murder took place and yes mistreatment as bad as that is it is not sufficient grounds to link them to the M word murder that connection was discovered when the killer's phone records was accessed in the month before the murder 147 calls were made between Maple Ridge to the killers and 12 of the calls were made on June 8th the same day Jussie and Mittu were attacked if this isn't glaringly obvious evidence here is a twist that changed the course of this investigation entirely despite multiple stab wounds a split head injury and uncountable bruises when no. authorities found mittu curled up on the side of the <gasps> road he was still clinging on to a few final breaths those few final breaths were enough to get him to the hospital for a whole month Mittu drifted in and out of consciousness from a coma to consciousness and back to a coma. The doctors were certain he was awaiting death. But Mittu lived. Not only did he live. I don't think I've live, ever been happier in the middle of an episode. Ashwarya, I am so sorry to say this, but welcome to the Desi Crime podcast and don't get your hopes high just yet. No. <laughs> Not only did he live he recovered Ashwarya Mithu is alive today so that's the good news side of it but that's a separate story we will get to for now Mithu regains his consciousness and his friends need to tell him the news Mithu keeps asking how is Jassi how is my wife but his friends refuse to tell him they want to wait until he has fully recovered physically and mentally but not long after he finds out the love of his life had died the day when he was attacked quote now there is no hope left for me to be with her maybe in the next life jassi was the first girl in my life she would say the same mitu you're the first one in my life you're everything to me i have to live and die with you to mitu it was the same he too wanted to live and die by her side but he didn't get to do either all he has are memories of jassi something neither surjit nor malkit nor any police institution can snatch away from him jassi's memories are only his mithu made it his goal in life to bring jassi to justice no matter how many threats no matter the hurdles he fearlessly went on news and continued to appear for court hearings he describes june 8th as follows 
Quote, There was a scooter behind me. The scooter overtook me. I turned onto the road leading to my grandparents. I saw the light of a vehicle in the distance. They attacked us. Jussie got hit by a club and fell off the scooter. That's when I got hit by the swords. I fell down. Jussie was calling, Mithu, Mithu. Those are the last words Mithu ever heard uttered from Jussie's mouth. Mithu was the missing link. He was able to provide heaps and heaps of evidence. Not only was he able to serve as a witness and identify the killers, he had letters upon letters showing how hostile Jussie's family had been to her in the days leading up to her murder. Even the killers testified about Malkit and Surjit's direct involvement. They confessed that they were given $50,000 for Jussie's murder by her own family. There was no doubt in anyone's mind about who the mastermind was. But still, the Canadian police, the RCMP, refused to open an investigation. So, other than just not having more work on their plate, what does it do for the RCMP to not open an investigation into their case? Ashwara, because the amount of work I am guessing, I'm not guessing, I, I mean from the research I do know, the amount of work involved in opening a case that involves another country and therefore another government and therefore another judiciary is immense. And again, this case happened in Maple Ridge, a town dominated by immigrants from Punjab. And so it's almost like its own subculture. Like, remember when in Kohistan, the Pakistani government wasn't able to do a lot because their administration in Kohistan was limited? I'm not saying Canada by any stretch of the imagination is the same, but there is a subculture element involved. But beyond all of that, even journalists, even Canadian journalists struggle to understand what took the Canadian police so much time to explore and discover the murder of a Canadian citizen. So it has nothing to do with the fact that Jesse came from a really influential family in this tiny immigrant community and maybe, just maybe, her family had ties to the cops in the area. So the influence of Surjit Badesha will become apparent in the end, towards the end of this story. But his influence doesn't loom large over the Canadian police. His influence looms large over the Punjab police, as can be evinced Hmm. from Joginder Singh's involvement, who was an inspector. But as you'll come to find out, the story hasn't ended just yet. Even when the Indian police filed against Surjit and Malkit, the Canadian police ignored their appeals. While Joginder and Anil were in jail in India, the actual masterminds, the alleged masterminds, roamed free in Maple Ridge. Malkit and Surjit still went to their Gurudwara, continued to earn millions from their blueberry business and went about their days like nothing had changed. When some reporters showed up to Surjit Badesha's house confronting him on Jassi's death, here is what he had to say. Quote, Everything is wrong. I did not do anything wrong. This was my niece. I can't kill her. Never. Everything is wrong. You know, I did not do anything. You know, it's, it's my niece. I can't kill her. Never. Did you love her? <laughs> Ashwarya, just 
listening to him speak and there are multiple interviews available online of him where you know um journalists just show up in front of his gurudwara or where he is shopping for his groceries and confront him the way he talks about what had happened his dismissive tone his inability to respond it's so cowardly and it's so apparent it's disgusting i would much rather he be an arrogant figure that is able to you know completely dismiss blame mithu but there's none of that he just dismisses them because he has nothing to say because when jassi was killed her family didn't even go to take her body so there really isn't any evidence in their favor here is where your size of relief aren't warranted you rightly mentioned was his million dollar blueberry business a means for dominating the investigation of influencing the course of this investigation not in canada but in india it was during the course of these investigations mithu was arrested again in 2004 under the guise of a sexual assault allegation for four whole years till 2008 mithu was held in jail my god and was there any chance even a little bit that there was any validity to these allegations mithu was accused of rape in august 2004 and incarcerated in the ludhiana central jail for 4 years until he was acquitted the woman who made the accusation was found to have connections to siddhu's family who would have thought eh Harbinder Sevak, the publisher of the South Asian Post newspaper in Vancouver, British Columbia, intervened on behalf of Mithu, hiring a legal team for him. The newspaper was recognized for its crusading journalism through an award for best community reporting in 2008 for this action. The woman, who was related to Jassi Sadhu's family, finally rescinded her allegation and accepted that she had submitted a false testimony. Mithu was kept in jail for 4 whole years for a false complaint merely to threaten him merely to coerce him into dropping the investigation What's crazy to me is that it's 2004 by now and they're still Jassi's family is still engaged in this effort of trying to make it look like they didn't do anything wrong 4 years later from a completely different continent just the lengths they've gone to mm-hmm. to conceal their lie it's crazy to me this is a lot the canadian police budged to the canadian police refused to open an investigation until a decade after jassi was murdered wow after a decade long investigation Jassi's mother and uncle were arrested by the RCMP on January 6th, 2012, 11 years after Jassi's murder. Darshan Singh Sidhu, one of the men who was earlier convicted of Jassi's murder and who had ties to Surjit Badesha, was later released in India after he appealed. And what completely blows my mind was that he was given permanent residency in Canada in 2008. What? because he lied about his criminal status on his 
immigration application goes on to show so, you how good <laughs> their vetting process is for all the number of documents you need to file so you yes you can just lie about you can just lie remember you know when you it. get those forms you say are you a terrorist and you have a yes or no <laughs> option no. you say no and apparently that's all it takes ashwarya he wow while the person he murdered never got a chance to live with her loved one in canada he was able to move to canada and live there freely however thanks to some amazing journalism he was later declared inadmissible in canada after his criminal past was revealed but just the fact that this was a, this happened in and of itself blows my mind because it is just another remnant of the botched up investigation the canadian police conducted two decades and two years later justice is still awaited after much wait and international drama and legal fight with canada jussie's mother malkeet kaur and uncle surjeet badesha were finally extradited to india to face the murder trial in january 2019 sounds good right sounds hopeful another sigh of relief perhaps however Mithu is again in jail. This time he is facing charges of drug smuggling. His brother Rana too is in jail after he was declared proclaimed offender in a case in which his brother was already acquitted. Remember the same case where the girl had rescinded her complaint? His brother is still in jail for that. Six cases including that of rape against Mithu have fallen flat in the court of law. These were all cases that were filed with a vendetta and time and time again Mithu proved his innocence but now he is battling another case drug smuggling this one but while he is in jail even though Surjeet and Malkit were extradited both are out on bail now yes you heard it right both Malkit and Surjeet were given bail because of their age they lived free for decades despite clear evidence of their involvement and right when they were extradited to india to truly face the consequences of their actions they were given bail mithu's mother sukhdev kaur speaking to the tribune this week because this week marks the 22 year anniversary of jassi's murder recalled the dark day when the killing took place quote We were preparing for a party at our house in the celebration of the wedding. It was a low-key affair considering the opposition and threats to the couple. Jassi and Mithu were living secretly at my brother's house at Narike. They were returning from Maler Kotla when they were attacked. For me, life has been standing still since that day." Unquote. She wonders if she will ever hear the final judgment in this case in her lifetime. First there were 12 contract killers of whom 7 were sentenced by a Sangrur court. Later the Supreme Court acquitted all but 3. Jassi's mother and uncle were in Canada while Mithu suffered police cases and beatings. Now both are out on bail in India. She says they have received renewed threats that Mithu would be eliminated if we don't arrive at some compromise. It has been 22 years since Jassi was killed. 22 years since Mithu lost his love and 22 years since unserved justice Jassi's story is the story of so many women killed by their own family and and for what 
for love just that just love